Hello and welcome to your favorite comic book YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We are a daily comic book YouTube channel, so tune in daily to see our 1,500 videos. And uh, if you check out our search box on the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube site, you will be able to look up your favorite cartoonist, your favorite comic books, and see if we've already covered those titles. If we haven't, go down in the comments and let us know the books that we should be adding to our list or moving up our to-read list. Also, Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels there that'll get you access to our videos early. And at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get all the videos first, as well as sitting in on the recording session. This will offset the Kayfabe effect. Sometimes we look at books that are rare and uh, those books either disappear or go through the roof in prices. So you wanna be the first one to uh, be in line for those. King Kayfabers are the first. All right, with that out of the way, Ed, we are going to look at John Byrne's Next Men, number one from Dark Horse. You see a 1991 cover date on here. John Byrne famous for uh, calling himself a cog in the machine. Longtime Marvel and DC popular artist writer had done X-Men, Fantastic Four, Superman. So kind of the top of the line when it comes for work for hire. In the early 90s, goes over to Dark Horse and starts doing some creator-owned titles this was his first big launch, John Byrne's Next Men. I was loving Byrne at that time, so one of the first uh, indie books I really sought out. You know, it predates Image Comics. I had to mail order this from Westfield Comics. And there's going to be a weird piece of this. This series actually starts in Dark Horse Presents. There were four installments, and what those things are, Next Men are kind of like X-Men in the real world. Let's say that. This is a government-mutated group that escapes from its government facilities with the help of some outsiders here. We see somebody that was coming to inspect what is going on in this operation, shows up a day early, causes chaos in the military complex, and frees them from a Matrix-like existence. Page one starts with that freedom. Everything I just described happened in the Dark Horse Presents 4 Chapter 0 issue. I don't know why it doesn't start there. It's so, not the best foot forward because like you kind of, I need that origin story. I know it exists. So when I was rereading this this week, it's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. What I remembered isn't what happens here because I remember that story. That's an important part of the story and it happened chronologically before this was published, but we don't get that with issue one. We're sort of start with the action of they've escaped or they are escaping at this point. They've been woken up from their matrix-like existence and now they're on the run. But we don't get much of that. You have to read it in text. I always complain about this. Terrible issue one. It's issue one. Terrible. I don't want to read about the story so far. It's issue one. The story should, so far should be page one. Yes. Yeah. Ter terrible issue one. Uh, John Byrne, giant fanboy in mainstream comics himself. Such a fanboy that uh, I was trying to think of like, you know, did he ever establish any comics himself from like an issue one? Closest would be probably like Alpha Flight or something and he denounces that book as being a fake book because it wasn't created by Kerb by Kirby or Ditko or in Lee. That's such a weird point of view. It is a weird point of view. Especially if you're the guy creating it. I exactly. can see like internet trolls right. explaining to somebody with a new book that it's not created by those guys, but for you to do it to your own book. It sh it shows you the level of fanboyishness that that he is. Uh all that said, with that level of fanboyishness, I think that Kirby does the greatest like first issues of of superhero type comics that that exist and has done enough of them to create a suitable template with which you could just kind of fucking steal from to set up your stakes to set up your characters show up a little powers of each each one 
uh, usually create some sort of engine that two, two warring factions are in need of so that you have your built-in conflict. All that stuff will happen in a first issue of a Kirby comic. We get such a little portion of something in here. And uh, frankly, it's it's not enough for me to like want to go out and buy issue two. That said, I'm a student of, uh, you know, the, 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 the old saying on cartoonist kayfabe, the, the early 90s speculator is the middle late 90s liquidator. Like I'm the guy who bought a box of a long box of Dark Horse comics for, I think, eight dollars. And at least a dozen issues of that are, are in there. And I enjoyed it as a whole. But as a first issue, this is just uh, it's it's embarrassing, especially for the career that this guy had and for the build up. Like this is this is five years into Dark Horse as a company existing. So you get John Byrne to show up. Right. That's a big deal. And it is a little disappointing. Look at the cover. I, I, I'll say this the is my caveat. This was my favorite series for a while. Um, all the way up really until it ended uh, some years later, probably four years later or so. It probably ran that long. Um, it was my favorite series. But going back and rereading this issue, I was surprised by what I found. Uh, note on the colors, Matt Webb. You know where we saw Matt Webb's name most recently on this channel? This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Become a King Kayfaber and mitigate the Kayfabe effect. You get all the videos before anybody else. We have more than 1,400 videos up on the channel as we speak. Hit the little magnifying glass, search around to see if we're talking about your favorite comics. If not, let us know in the comments so that we can show off uh, the, your favorite stuff on the channel. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Before You is a healthy bibliography of the stuff that we have available, but there's new material coming out all the time. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this holiday season. In fact, your store needs to order it now. Uh, they have the, that opportunity to do so. It's going to come out October 18th, collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree, plus 140 pages of additional material, 500 plus pages of comics in there. The X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback is coming to you in November just in time for Christmas as well. Several volumes of that are out of print as we speak. The current focus is Red Room, and two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Crypto Killers is the latest miniseries of Red Room, and there is a backup feature that is going to show off the kids, the, the characters that I'm covering in my daily comic strip in 2024, so this is gonna be a hot key. Jimmy's got plenty of stuff on the horizon. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is coming out in November. This is going to collect all of the Street Angel material before Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. So you need both volumes to, to have all of Jim Rugg's Street Angel comics on hand. The Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition book is out of print. So when you see this, it's going to be your last opportunity scoop up these books make sure you do so you might be able to find some on amazon but they are going going quick quickly jimmy's been in the self-publishing game for a while this 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 past year he's got true crime funnies three non-fiction stories a couple of them uh have wrestling in the subject matter 1986 zine and the bw zine are back the bw zine back in print and 1986 zine is on the horizon we need to do a whole episode on this jimmy now that we're done paying the bills back to the video he colored John Fury, Alex Toth's oh, uh, Korean War script, <laughs> and we were pretty harsh on that color job. But you see here, it's mostly flat colors, so and got got no problem with uh, with the coloring per se. But I was surprised to see that that name and then make that connection. 
But it's funny because, like you say, I'm surprised that I kept with this series after issue one. I probably had pre-ordered them, you know, through the mail. Yeah. And once it gets running, I love it. Uh, but you're right about, like, those costumes are not too exciting, although they're going to peel out of there because the whole conceit is, like, they're on the run. You know, like, they're in the real world now. I don't know where I read the Zero stuff, the stuff that was in Dark Horse Presents, because it's in my head very clear, and I don't know... If Dark Horse, they must have repackaged it at some there point. There was an issue zero. Okay. Yeah, and and it and it contains contains that stuff that that you're talking about because I never saw it in Dark Horse Presents, but I do have issue zero, and uh, it is more eventful than than this right here. But this is that period of John Byrne where it's um, it's going through the motions, John Byrne, with like all his textures and stuff, and it's just it's very formulaic in its construction of like. Close up, mid shot, long shot, every page. Pretty by the numbers. Put your perspective grids down. Like, like he's not bringing anything like new aesthetically to the table. It's all sound. It's all the stuff we've seen before. There's also that piece at, at around this time when these very popular mainstream artists and cartoonists were uh, deigning to do some indie works. It would be so much more rushed because you know, obviously they're not getting their page rates, but you could tell that they weren't putting in the effort that they were on their more popular works and, and you know, for mainstream publishers and a guy like Byrne, who's like, well, Alpha Flight is a nonsense book because it wasn't created by Jack Kirby. Like you see where the mindset is. So like, where is that mindset when you have something that's completely not like even outside the Marvel universe? Like to him, comics is Marvel DC. Here's my zag. This is January 1992. So I had read Jim Lee's X-Men and Rob Liefeld's X-Force and McFarlane's Spider-Man. I loved that stuff at the time. This is such a almost alternative, like, B-list 80s kind of title. You know, it's so static in yeah. a way. And I wonder if I responded to that. Because it's one of the things I kind of like. It's not as noisy as a lot of the 90s stuff that we look at or have looked at on this channel. And in a weird way, I find that refreshing. I will, I will concede that, like, at the time, like... This certainly, and he would hold it as as like being more readable than anything but say Savage Dragon that came from Image Comics. But, but even Savage Dragon would be like so much noisier, like no, the totally. spread of that versus this. And I think that pro probably was part of it. You know, it was almost refreshing and different. I wasn't that versed in comics history by that point. But our story is they're escaping from this military compound, and the vehicle gets blown up. And they try to manifest some of these different things. Like they don't know where they're at. They don't know who this person that's helping them are because they've been in this cocoon their whole life. And now they're out here. They could just make stuff up whenever they were in that. I'm going to keep saying Matrix because that's what it's like. It was yeah. an alternative rea virtual reality, essentially, where they could do super fantastic things. Like in imagine a weapon and now it's in your hand. That doesn't work. But they still have some of those superpowers like one of their partners that was in that fiery crash comes out of it unscathed, shot, and the bullets are bouncing off of her. So it's traditional superhero stuff. It's just maybe a not quite traditional origin. Yeah. And he talks about origin uh, in the letters column too, by the way. This would be called like, the, you know, ground level comics. This is that stuff that's like that superhero adjacent. You have all the freedom in the world to make whatever you want. And... It's just something that could be plugged into a Marvel DC comic, you know, at some, at some, at some level. 
it does feel like a lot of the stuff that I have since gone back and bought, like the indie 80s stuff that would be street level, you know, right. it'd be like a little bit superhero, but also a little bit like normal people. It kind of feels like, I wonder if Byrne looked at a couple of those and went, okay, this is what like, you know, creator owned. This is what indie means. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a typical, you know, this doesn't look like Fantastic Four Superman either that he had done. You know, it does feel like it's some kind of weird, almost trying to be more sophisticated in a more static kind of presentation. Does that make sense? I, I suppose, but but you I just, don't know if it's deliberate. You just can't get past that aesthetic of like this. This is the style of of eighties Marvel DC because he was the style of that stuff, you know. And and sure, there's less three point perspective and shit, but you know, it's still. So keep in mind that idea of like superheroes in the real world. This guy can run really fast, so they send him off to help. There's a town twenty miles down the road. Go get help. This is our big bad guy who's in charge of this this project next men when you see this guy do you think that it's like um archie goodwin or somebody that's Mark totally Grunwald? totally i was thinking archie goodwin like from that point down i mean that's the caricature that we see everywhere there was some other comic we did this week i i forget already man that uh maybe it was even that spawn comic that had like an archie goodwin kind of police chief or something <laughs> I do love whenever I think Archie Goodwin is sneaking in cameos. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a guy who's quite, who, who was like the head of it, this program. In some ways, we're seeing um, two characters here, like Ronan. Look at that color. How about that? Matt <laughs> Webb. Did you get an Eisner for that? wonder if Matt Webb worked for Dark Horse Presents, because I know they had an in-house color department. And that gradient's like the sign of your early uh, digital coloring. You can see like the striations in the gradient. Oh, yeah. Banding. Yes. All right. So now the police show up. We're outside of the military's jurisdiction. They're going to fight about that. Who has the rights to what's going on out here? Never seen that happen before. And our bad guy is a bad guy and blows his brains out right in the office. I, I was reading this digitally. And if you zoom in on this, man, you can see a face in there. Really? The brains. I mean, he didn't <laughs> blown, draw it. Blown, he, blown a face out the back of yeah, his head. Yeah, he, he didn't draw it, but like, uh, it's like there's eyes, nose, and that's the mouth right there. It's an old man. This is kind of neat. He hits a button to open up like a panel, and it turns out that window's all bullshit. Kayfabe office. Yeah, man. And he hops on his little escape pod and basically blows up this military base. This is kind of a good bit of carnage here in the first issue. <laughs> But you talk about like dashing stuff out and it does feel like all of those explosion panels are drawn pretty quickly. Yeah, like like this is that era where he's just like really, really being speedy. And once the base explodes, these military guys realize like they've got bigger fish to fry and they kind of back off. Remember this era? Collect the coupons, get some free uh, whatever it is. I think it's trading cards in this case. Yeah, we want your address is what that is. It's amazing. Our, our people are at least uh, teamed together. This is, we've all known each other. We don't know anyone else. So whenever you touch one of our fallen comrades, we're going to go to their defense. There is a Lee Kirby element to it where like, this guy's whole character is that he's a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the character trait. You know what? That's the I'm further thing of uh, how are we going to make these characters distinguished? Like they're in generic, similar costumes, all with shaved heads. Except for the one blonde. Yeah, and that's because I don't think you can cut her hair because of her invulnerability. Exactly. She was in that fire. Dude, I would read all the interviews and everything. And, like, the idea of her invulnerability is, like, I don't know if she does it or it's an example, but you could take her hair and, like, 
it's like steel line, right? You could cut somebody oh, with yeah, it. Yeah, you could carry it wire someone's neck. But how do you pull a hair out of her head? And his thing was like, well, she could run her fingers through her hair if you do that. You know, like hairs come out. That's just their loose hairs. So, what a stupid like. What kind of interviews? Too much. You know, I was you, you know what that is? I could find. You know what that is? That that's a vestige of like his Superman shit. Like, how, like how do you cut Superman's hair? And trying to figure that part out. It is true. I think all these guys because they're working in that genre. It was like whatever ideas you had for superhero stuff to do that was cool or innovative, man, you kept that list running so that you could put it down and uh, whenever you get a chance. I'm reading that Grant Morrison Batman, and, and there's a story where, like, hey, Thomas Wayne might be alive and he might be a bad guy. It's pretty cool. It was a pretty cool story. I, w- I won't give any spoilers away. So the police load up the next men and they're going to take them into this town and try to figure out who they are, where they're from, whatever. This is what happens, man. If you wipe your butt, you don't wash your hands and you, like, uh, itch your eyes. Yeah, this is uh, the Cyclops, right? <laughs> Dookie eyes. Name of the town is Climax. I don't know if that pays off later on or not, but it feels a little on the nose. Yeah. And then our guy who went off to the town that was supposed to go to Climax, he's run super fast to the point that he wore out his shoes because it's the real world. They're no longer in their uh, in their sleeping tanks. Looks like he's in a pose to Climax. <laughs> like, this is obscene, man. <laughs> it really is. I've never noticed Because they're thinking about, like, you know, well, how does he wear these chastity belts and, and still uh, make, make waste? Man, Ed, when you talk about shortcuts, like now I'm realizing like how many of these backgrounds are just the scribbled exactly the nothing the, the, the rocks and stuff. And you think about if you've ever been out west, it's beautiful. They're beautiful landscapes that you could be populating this yeah, with. Crazy look, Cat look, made look. a living with that. Jeff Darrow, Shallow Cowboy, the new one. Take a look at some of those plateaus and things. So this dude can't go on much further because of the blistering on his feet. Whenever uh, another mysterious Good Samaritan pulls up, takes a look and says. Hop in, we'll uh, we'll get you. We'll get you to the next town. But he does disclose that he was running in the wrong direction, and that that government agent or whoever Tony is that helped them escape did point him in the wrong direction. I feel like if she's new to this area and her place, her car just got blown up with a rocket, maybe she's disoriented. Yeah. I'm not ready to call her a bad guy yet, but it feels like that's a subplot that's being established. Uh, loads him up, and then it's going to be like, all right, let's head back to the right direction and see what's happening. We have, um, they had sent out early issue ones. So you have a letters column already. John Byrne explains he's the guy answering these letters. Those guys were always really proud to, to let everybody know that they were the ones responding. It was kind of the, the status quo, I think. You know, McFarland's answering his and Larson's answering his and pretty soon Larson and Byrne are gonna be sniping back and forth. This guy asks him about all these books that he has coming out like Namor, She-Hulk, OMAC. And Burn, this is where he explains that he does three pages a day. Uh, but those books were done at different stages. OMAC's completely done by the time this is coming out. I saw some people uh, request us look at John Burns' OMAC. I like that book. Do Certainly it to look, look at it, man. It, it, it'd be something I'd take a look at. But what we get here, the team has been broken up. Some of them are in law, you know, un- under uh, scrutiny of law enforcement. I feel like it's set up. You know, there's a bunch of stuff here. If you want to establish what's going on, one thing is get the team back together. You know, that's often a thing I think that we see in team books. Yeah. Once once again, man, uh, if you're setting up a series, you could do far worse than read the first chunks of issues of all the great Silver Age, you know, Marvel comics. Uh, because Kirby just, he had, at that point, he had like his 10,000 hours practice of like making comics like that, man. And there are things that you need, you know, and and this just doesn't have it. And even in an era where you guys over at 
with your image comics are clearly doing shit so that it's like six issues for the trade or whatever you could still make that first issue meaningful there's a way to do it do the work this is him explaining about origins and how for the first however long decade or two of comics the origins were kind of a non-thing which is funny when you think of like batman's iconic origin or superman's blown up planet uh but he comes down here and he says that there's like couple of ways you can go mystical technological non-technological he wanted these to be human not mutants so that meant he had to go the technological route and then he gets up here and he's like last note in closing you'll notice how the cliffhanger ending for this first issue is decidedly low-key and I wonder if this is part of where I was kind of putting in my head too the idea that this is not like that Marvel bombastic style of storytelling but something a little more mature and sophisticated like I said I love this series I did not remember this issue the way the reread went. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did find it disappointing, and I think I probably stuck with it because I had pre-ordered the series, you know. So I probably got a couple issues before I could really stop. And at this point, Byrne has has gained some equity in the reader, where, where you give him some benefit of the doubt that maybe you'll give him a couple issues of uh, chance before to 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 see where he's going with it, and then make your buying decisions after that, man, because. That happens, you know, creators, like, they do enough good work that you dig, you're going to give their ne- next thing a shot, and when you realize, you know, he's got top billing, this is his own original concept, uh, maybe he's got a bunch of ideas that, you know, didn't, didn't make it into other books so he could express them here. He visit, revisits this, that the full name is John Burns Next Men, and I think it's because Marvel was like, you can't do Next Men. You can't be the X-Men artist doing a book called Next Men. Right. Uh, that's speculation. I can't remember if that's the reason, but he does like explain it's John Burns Next Men a couple of times, and it is sort of to distinguish it from uh, a possible X-Men. And as book. a kid, like, like I, I mean, that was not lost on any of us. No, definitely not. Also, now I can't unsee this uh, costume yeah, contraption. The, the, the little uh, waist. Uh, Just a hole. Yeah, it's like a for catheters. There's, there, there, or there's one hole there, which suggests to me that. Whichever direction your waist is coming from, it's, it's, it's all going to just collect at the lowest point there. Just like birds. Wow. Um, he also came back and did some issues for IDW. Yeah. Um, I don't know when, that, maybe 2010-ish, sometime around there. It's but true. It, it was like wrapping up the first series because there was like a cliffhanger at the end of the series, which always frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he came back and did like nine more issues, I think. Uh, in the in the 2000s there are these dudes like like you know there i don't think that there will ever be a sam keith image comic anymore and uh you know john burns been doing things at idw it's like you know what what went on there he also did a book that came out before this called 20 2112 i think was the name of it and it was a sci-fi book dark horse published it and it was connected to the next men stuff not in an obvious way because it's set in the future but i think like the tech it was almost like he's building a universe, yeah. you know, in the science fiction kind of world. And so that may have been part of the lack of real answers in issue one, is that it was almost like a mystery was part of what you're getting pitched here. It's a bigger story. Maybe. I don't remember all of that, but I do remember being psyched for it. I wonder if Whipping Boy is in the next men universe. Um, I believe that it is. Are you serious? I, I read Whipping. I bought and read Whipping Boy, the paperback novel that he writes right. uh, in the process of Next Men coming out. And I do think there's like a tangential implication that those two are in a shared world. Interesting. Yeah. I was just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea how deep I, how much of a burn victim I was. Straight up, man. Good to go? <laughs> yes. Take favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. 
We're a daily YouTube channel, and we have more than 1,400 videos out there right now. Chances are we might have talked about your favorite comics, but if we didn't, search around, let us know, and we will uh, bump those books up to the uh, top of our reading list. We have a Patreon where the King K Favors can get in early and see all our videos before anybody else. They hang out with us in a live stream recording chat session. We've got three dozen people in uh, the chat right now as we speak. Mitigates the kayfabe effect, like I said, man. But ultimately, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. So, Jimmy, can you please tell the people what you have forthcoming? Street Angel, Princess of Poverty is my next big release. This is coming out from Image Comics in November, and you can pre-order it now at your local comic shop. I encourage you to do so. It's how they know how many copies to print. Uh, this is a follow-up to Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive. It collects all of the comics featuring Street Angel that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive. Still available at your local comic shop, so pick up both. You'll have the complete Street Angel set. Hulk Grand Design has apparently gone out of print, at least at the distribution level. So if you haven't picked up Hulk Grand Design, this Treasury edition yet, I encourage you to do so. These may get harder and harder to find. Uh, they may be impossible to find before too long. I've also been self-publishing. These are my latest zines, BW and 1986, celebrating the black and white explosion, as well as the greatest year in comics history. And True Crime Funnies, three nonfiction stories, including three or two wrestling stories. You can read these on patreon.com slash jimrug. You can get digital copies on my website. And later this year, I will be offering print copies on my website. Got some big books coming out in time for the holiday season this year, Jimmy. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is is coming out in October 18th, I believe, which means that your comic shop is in the process of being able to order this comic right now. Uh, do not take for granted that it'll just be on the shelves because so many of these, I've been promoting it for several months now, so many of these are accounted for right now through online sales, and uh, there's a finite amount of them in existence. 500 plus pages collects all four volumes of hip-hop family tree plus 150 pages of extras that are not in those first four volumes so this is kind of the ultimate statement it's not the only holiday comic that i'm going to have out for this season the x-men grand design trilogy trade paperback is coming to you in 2023 i think it's coming out in november i do have some out of print volumes of x-men grand design out there so it's going to be your chance to get all of my x-men grand design series inside of one uh you know one package red room is the current focus and crypto killers is the third in a series of red room comics i put out there are two trade paperbacks out there trigger warnings and the anti-social network crypto killers uh is going to be four issues in total and uh the third issue is a hot key because it contains uh the first appearance of the characters who are going to be in my daily comic strip that i'm going to start putting out january 1st 2024 so uh, make sure you get your hands on this one if you see it, because I could see that one being like, you know, one of my comics that goes up in value. Jimmy, this is not the only way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. However, can you please let the people know how to, how to do that? You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video in the show notes. All good ways to support the channel. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.